This podcast is sponsored by Australian Christian College, a network of schools committed to student wellbeing, character development and academic improvement. Welcome to the Inspiration Project, where well-known Christians share their stories to inspire young people in their faith and life. Here's your host, Brendan Corr. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Inspiration Project, the podcast where we're bringing you stories of successful Christians who've explored lives of significance and brought their faith along for the ride. In fact, let their faith be part of that journey and part of that influence. Today, we're delighted to be talking with Claire Rogers. Claire is an experienced strategic leader. She has a driving ambition to support growth and innovation and transformation, and she's demonstrated that across a range of financial services. Uh, in the past, perhaps her her well her most recognised role was chief executive of World Vision Australia, which uh, was the large I think remains the largest the country's largest not for profit organisation. Uh, at the moment, she identifies herself as a social innovator with well developed entrepreneurial skills, a highly networked influencer that is bringing different environments or two different environments finally home communications and negotiation skills. Claire, that um, sounds like a really 21st century sort of job description at the end, um, maybe a little different from being CEO of a big company. Tell me a bit, of, what does a typical day for Claire Rogers hold as a highly networked influencer and uh, social innovator? Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Uh, I think one of the things that's changing in the world of work is the um, organic nature of work itself. And so uh, what you've just read out is really um, something that will be very relevant to your listeners, particularly um, the, the, the group coming through school at the moment, is, is being able to really clearly articulate your skills so others can work out where will they be able to deploy you and how will that create great value. And so what you've just read out is that. Um, but a typical, to answer your question, a, a typical day for me is um, uh, working, I'm working in a, a scale-up in ch child safety at the moment. So that's a tech solution for a re very real business problem in that organisations need to know that everyone who works with children is safe in their organisation and there's other accreditations as well. And so a typical day for me is leading the team. I'm effectively the CEO in that role as we build the organisation and leading the team, talking with potential clients, uh, working with the developers and thinking through what the next features that we want to add to the product and the experience. And uh, just generally thinking about strategy and the future of the organisation. I do a bit of work for some other folks as well. And in that role, uh, I do a bit of coaching of CEOs and other senior leaders in helping them solve really what are the 
you know, we often don't talk about this. We talk about the technical skills of a role, but the um, the hardest part of, of leadership is actually working with people and figuring out how to help them achieve their best work and to negotiate the outcomes of the business at the same time. So, uh, Brendan, that's probably given you a whole host of uh, springboards to, to bounce off, I'm sure, but there's a, there's a bit of a potted potted day for me quite a lot it, it it sounds as though like it's a it's quite a fluid description that there's there's n- not so many fixed parameters there isn't a a clear boundary as to this is what it's going to involve and here's the the scope of that it's a bit just whatever needs to get done to move things forward and help people is that Yeah, I think when you start in your career, you have more structured roles and and delivering a particular outcome. So I started in banking and my job was to um, assess or support the bank manager to assess loans, um, the suitability of people to receive a loan for a mortgage or a business. Mm. And now, of course, a whole lot of that's automated. So those that job itself probably doesn't exist anymore. But but that was a very structured role and it was based on, you know, processing a number of applications. As you get into senior leadership, it becomes much more about what does the organisation, as I look at the horizon, as I look at what's going on in the um, customer base, in the market more generally, in the legislative or regulatory context, what does that mean for our organisation? And then how do we need to respond to that? Mm. And how do I deploy effectively the resources and tools and team to achieve what's going to be the greatest outcome, the the best outcome for that organisation? And that doesn't mean, you know, always being the largest or always being the, the winner in a market. It means... What are we really good at and what do our customers value us being really good at Mm. and then doing that really well? And then success comes from, I think, comes from doing those things really well because the market tells you if you're delivering something of value. Yeah. Okay. So the was it a role that you always imagined yourself stepping into or is the concept I always had a hunkering hankering to run an organization that was that came from a, a early part of my life and and actually it's an interesting uh speaking to to people of faith I actually had I had to wait in my career to get the opportunity to lead things mm-hmm. and lead teams, but I had heaps of experience in my church context, in youth group, in you know, whole host of other Christian organisational contexts to lead, mm-hmm. and that was a great, uh, I think, training ground and experience for me to then take into my career when the time was right to lead others. Um, so, so yes, I always had a hankering to run organisations because I'm driven by helping them achieve their potential. Yeah. And one of the, you know, one of the great joys for the leader and also responsibilities is to be able to create the space for an organisation to achieve its potential. Mm-hmm. Because we've all worked in organisations where, you know, the leaders are sometimes not close enough to the potential of the organisation and 
you know, there are people in, te- in the team who can see we need to go over here and the leaders create in a way an immune system that stops yeah. that potential being achieved. So as I've got more senior, I've been able to see how that leadership allows the space. It's not for me about hierarchy and having the title. It's about how can I, as a leader, give the space to the team to deliver the best value and that or the best results or, you know, value for customers. And that comes probably from my, uh, not probably, I think it comes from my faith in the sense that, you know, God gave us this beautiful world and there's a restorative role that he asks us to play, even though we'll never get to make it like heaven. He asks us to play that role of um, obediently restoring his world to um, its potential. I'd love to come back and talk to you more specifically about leadership, the skills of leadership, the things you, I'm intrigued by what I picked up as the suggestion that leadership can be empowering, but it can also be throttling. It can be very limiting um, and talk about your faith there. But I want to roll you back to those school days. You know, you mentioned that uh, some of the audience of this podcast will be kids in school trying to make their decisions about their future, find out who they are, what they're good at. What was school like for you? Uh, well, I had lots of, um, as a as a female, I had lots of pressure on me to do science and wasn't technology then, but, you know, the science and maths stream because they're, and, and it's still an issue today, a lot of uh females don't go into those streams it's getting better but you know uh it's still things like engineering you know my son's doing engineering at university and it's 10 to 15 percent um of girls in in that discipline so um so there was a lot of interest in me doing science and and technology what what actually happened though was um I wasn't actually, I, I could do it, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't fantastic. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And uh, so I kept on the maths because I really enjoyed the maths um, and added, I had English literature and um, I, I joke about it as reading, writing and arithmetic. Yeah. Um, and that's what I then ended up doing in my degree. I took those interests into my degree um, and Got hired into a bank because of my mathematics, but I I laugh and say that actually it was my English literature and um, English that that is what built my career because it was you described it in my um, bio, but this influencing and being able to construct arguments and explain and create the clarity and context is what helps organisation to move forward so um yeah so while the maths got me in the door it was probably the english that helped me build my career i started by observing that the nature of the work you were doing and that's another thing i want to come back to your question about the nature of work itself but it's it's quite fluid quite quite um loosely defined for anyone one day do you do you still see that the things you learned or acquired or perspectives that you formed at school continue to be relevant, continue to be useful, or have you had to unlearn? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the other thing that was prevalent in my early 
I was sorry, later school years was was leadership again. You know, I led the Christian group. I led, um, you know, various other aspects in the school. And so that that has always been a consistent theme through my career, even when there's been times where I haven't been able to play that leadership role in one context, I've been able to do it in my personal life and, and vice versa. So, um, but I would also say that as I went into a career, um, people came alongside me and guided me and said, Claire, you should think about this role or, you know, um, I think you'd be good at this. Why don't you consider this? And in, in a large organisation that works, but it can also work across organisational boundaries if people know you well enough. And so from an early stage in my career, and I think this certainly applies to school as well, um, being willing to listen or explore or hear other people's perspectives about your skills and strengths is definitely something that has helped me know myself mm. because, you know, our big challenge is we turn up somewhere and do some stuff. We think it's worked out or it might be a very difficult situation where it didn't work out. We don't, unless we ask and explore, we don't know how people are receiving us and, one of the things I learned in my career, and it was actually a failure point, I was at one stage demoted from a leadership position to a more junior leadership position. I was on an executive team and was asked to step down to the layer below. And that was tremendously difficult for me to process, but it became this beautiful opportunity to actually learn how I was showing up as a leader and how people were receiving me. And I learned through that that actually feedback is the most beautiful gift that people can give you, mm-hmm. both endorsements and, and positive feedback about your strengths helps you know that that's what you're bringing and, and what people are actually looking for from you. But also when you're not showing up the way that's needed, when people will have the courage who who you trust and, and have your interests at heart if they're willing to give you that feedback, it's, it's a beautiful gift because sometimes we don't intend yeah. those things and you can make very small adjustments and, and create a really great outcome where people are engaged and inspired to keep bringing their best work. So I was going to come to this a little bit later, but this is a nice um, point of connection. You gave this uh, hint at the start about the nature of work and I, I would be interested to know your thoughts there are some people who would say, you know, find what you love, do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, that expression. There's a there's another perspective that would say, you know, find what you're good at and concentrate on what you're good at. There'd be another one that would suggest, you know, find what needs doing and just get in and be, be that person that solves the problem and does what is needed. Where would you sort of fall into that notion? Yeah. That sense of and and is it locked in? Do, can you change? Do they ever align? How how does that work in your perspective? Yeah, I think they are actually highly connected. Uh, one one story from my career that really shaped me uh, that I talk about quite a lot is I had the opportunity to go and work in London 
for the ANZ. And it's a complicated area of banking, but essentially when the euro currency came along, a whole new market of services had to form around it. Mm. And I was, I had the privilege of being involved in some of the business side of that. And so when I say new market, no one had ever provided services for the euro before. And a whole lot of companies then tried to work out how they were going to deliver these services. And I found that the ones I thought were going to win didn't win. And that created a huge interest in me around what how markets form and entrepreneurial change and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that passion has taken me through a whole lot of parts of the ANZ. Once that happened, the jobs I came back to Australia to do all had to do with where change was happening in the market in the relationship between the customer and the organisation. And that ultimately led me back to digital. So if you think about in a bank, it used to be that you'd go in and see the bank manager, you'd be in the branch and you'd know all the tellers and you'd know everyone who really looked after your account. When digital came along, you know, the, the centre of the relationship with the customer is, is via the phone. And that's a very different environment and to still create that relationship experience and provide the services, you've got to do it in a different way. So that's an example. And that passion, I ended up actually talking my way in to go and help the bank with that part of their service Mm -hmm. because I could see the change happening and wanted to help them respond to that. When you go for a job, um, There's a couple of things that happen. One is, do we fit? Do we get on? Do we like each other? Um, But then how passionate are you or how interested are you in what we as an organisation are doing? Those questions are going through the recruiter's mind. Mm -hmm. And then the third area, which a lot of people don't spend time on, is how can I add value to this organisation? We spend a lot of time showing what we've done and how good we are, which is important. The skills and capabilities need to be verified and and explored and seen, you know, if they're a fit. But how can I add value to this organisation? And that comes from knowing a little bit about where that organisation is at and why uh, my skills might be applied to that to get um, to get an outcome or a result. So, so. Um, to answer your question, it's a bit of passion for um, something is going to drive, um, you know, whether there's a good fit. Uh, it's a bit of what are you good at. So uh, so you need some of that base sorted out because a job where you've got very low experience and maybe need to acquire a whole lot of skills is going to be highly stressful. But you also don't want to take a job that doesn't stretch you. There's got to be that growth and opportunity to learn. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, You have mentioned a few times the role that faith and your faith experiences had in uh, providing opportunity and and, um, sort of intimated that it was part of a, a, a guiding principle in life. Take me back to your faith journey. How did you come to faith? What, what has it meant to you? How, how is it growing? How does it impact 
the points, the key points of life about decisions, going overseas, finding other work, coming home. Where is God in that for you? Yeah, well, I grew up in a Christian family, but made my own decision at about, I think, 11 or 12. And I knew that that was important, um, knew enough to know that it was important. I had to make my own decision. Uh, and I didn't have to make the same decision as my parents. Mm. Um, and then I think have had uh, just a sense of, in, in many ways, God's presence. Because as, as I look back over my career, sometimes you can see these things in hindsight more than you can looking forward. But as I look back over my career, I can see moments where I got the opportunity to be involved in something that built um a core capability that then later became useful in another role. Um, and so a practical example of that is I was the chairman of Ridley College in Melbourne, the Anglican College, one of the national Anglican colleges that trains ministers and uh, chaplains and people for Christian ministry. And the fact that I had that job and had been in the ANZ and done all of that great commercial experience, the fact that I'd also run a not-for-profit, those two experiences led to the role at World Vision. Mm. Um, so in hindsight, you can see how God's built those um, skills and experiences together. Uh, I talk about that, you know, my superpower is actually marrying purpose and commerciality together with integrity mm. and deploying that in the um in different contexts that's that's what i bring and i think you know uh, it comes back to this point around you know we're not going to make heaven on earth that's god's job mm. but he does call us to be obedient and seek to restore things that are um not okay and you know in in the case of oho and child safety it's it's we're a protection mechanism for organizations to make sure that suitable unsuitable people don't have access to children and and the way things are working at the moment it's not okay the way organizations are managing this and so that's meant that people have had access that shouldn't have had access and so that that's what drives me is that we we have this opportunity to not walk past things that should be managed better to protect um, to protect our social fabric and to protect um, the opportunity for everyone to grow up and have opportunities that that we have. So, in, in the context of how you're living faith in this journey, I remember you you're talking uh, a little earlier in our conversation about not always having opportunities immediately presented and needing to needing to to wait until circumstances changed or people recognized what you might be able to bring to a context in that space of patiently waiting and having a sense of purpose where has faith been for you in holding those things yeah great question brendan well i just love the story of uh king david who was told that he was going to be king 40 years before he actually became king. Mm. And um, at times that's the sort of thing that has influenced me to have patience because it's God's timeline, not mine. And, you know, we're called to be 
obedient, we're not called to be successful. Mm. You know, we need to leave the success up to God. And so um, those are the sorts of things that I found uh, really encouraging and helpful at the times when I felt impatient and wanted to get to those opportunities earlier perhaps than God wanted me to. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, we just, we need to trust. And, and COVID has been uh, particularly challenging, I know, for lots of people because we have this sense of time, you know, now of things not being in our control. Yeah. And I think now more than ever is a time to say, well, we need to do what uh, sits in front of us that feels right and feels, um, you know, appropriate for our circumstance, but also recognise we're in unprecedented times. Yeah. And as someone said to me yesterday, you know, this this 18 months, two years is, is 5% of a career. Yeah. So, you know, it, it needs to be put in that context. And Your faith has sort of carried you through those moments of, of waiting and, and kept you uh, expectant and ready for the next door that opens and and maybe even given you the sense of of um, stepping into the opportunities has it has it also had an influence into making choices around what next opportunity what you will derive I'm thinking of you you're talking about making decisions around the sort of work that you focus on that you give your energy to and the the sense of redemptiveness about your work uh, has faith shaped what you prioritize or what you pursue in terms of the product of work uh yes i think in uh, lots of ways it's for me it's been about um things of purpose mm. and there are lots of jobs you can do in life and there's nothing wrong with any of them in fact god's very clear work is a good thing and work is a blessing from God. So the actual type of work probably in God's scheme doesn't matter. But for me, I think um, one of the things I learned early was that I could do complex and uh, maybe uh, things that involved people on a scale or a, a level of complexity that, that, you know, that suited my skills. And so uh, you know, I, I lent into some quite significant challenges at the uh, at Ridley, and and what we were able to do was build a whole online program of education way before COVID came along, yeah. and that that built and sustained that organisation through COVID actually, mm. because their online student. Um, has meant that they were able to cope when they couldn't have um, students on campus. So, um, so I think what I what I would say is you probably wouldn't find me working in a in Bunnings. Who knows? Maybe God's got a different plan. But you probably wouldn't find me doing hardware. You'd find me where people, um, you know, where there's a really strong sense of purpose and a strong need for transformation to respond to the context and that that's about where where you're most likely to find me yeah, that's good and, and i think it, it does speak a little as to how you ended up world vision you know it's something that's making a big difference for good in the world your current work looking after the vulnerable of our society and, and it carries that sense of faith 
Yeah. If, if I can um, pursue a little more, Claire, the notion of how your Christianity might have changed the way you lead. Um, obviously, you have inherent capacities to do that, skills that allow you to articulate vision and bring a sense of purpose and inspire and that you've had some experiences where you've learned how feedback can hone and shape and bring clarity. Renee Brown, clear is kind, that, that sort of thing. But what, is, what has your Christian faith done to shape, change, moderate the way you lead? Yeah, Brendan, I think you touched on it. It's actually in your question, but this um, I've really had to sit with this clear is kind mm. um, area of leadership because, um, you know, everyone wants to come mainly you know, everyone wants to come to work and do a great job. And what gets in the way of that is lack of clarity, lack of honesty, um, lack of reflection time. And so, and that's for me as well as for my team. And so uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is making it safe to speak the truth. And I hear a lot of leaders who um, maybe don't have a Christian background, um, talk about how important this is, but to actually live it and do it. Mm. Um, it requires the willingness to be personally vulnerable because the only way my team's going to want to show up and be honest about what's really going on is if it's safe to do so. Yeah. And the only way they're going to be vulnerable is if I'm willing to be vulnerable. And so I've had to really intentionally uh lean into that conversation with teams and encourage them because my view is if you don't lean into the truth, you're going to waste a whole lot of time. You're going to throw resources and solutions at problems that are going to fail. Yeah. So uh, the willingness of people to bring in the truth and, and you know, organisational structures are, are hard because we all have a responsibility and we want to do our jobs well and so we come and say, yep, everything's going great, thanks very much. But reality is, you know, there'll be some area that's just not working. And unless we have that conversation, it, it spreads, it creates, you know, can create a cancer through the organisation. And so um, for me, that's been the, you know, Jesus is the ultimate place where we where we bring our truth. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, you know, the he's, he's actually the ultimate solution to whatever that truth is. Um, and so, yeah, for me it's been about creating that space for the real issues to be explored and for people to feel safe to do that, then to have accountability to go and sort it out. So it's you can't just do one and not the other. Yeah. Um, and, and from that I've seen great performance, great outcomes um, by being in that space of truth. But then the other side of it is when things don't go well, uh, again, what I said before, you know, God asked us to, to be obedient. He didn't ask us to be successful. Mm. And, you know, if we're successful, the temptation is to think it's us. Mm. We did such a great job. And when it's terrible, the temptation is to look at God and say, well, come on, God, what have you, you know, you, you're not honouring my contribution. Mm. Um, and uh, But actually it's the same answer in both of those situations. You know, I was obedient and God brought things. I was obedient and this time God didn't bring things. So um, that that's an important part, I think, of 
of grounded, honest leadership. It's not a space that Christianity is probably uh, flying its flag all that all that well. Do you think? I don't think Christians are known for being able to create that safe sort of space of sharing honest feedback. That you know, it's a, it's a matter of grace will cover a multitude of sins and that sort of a issue. Or if it's got to get tough, we we tend to rely on just being as blunt and brutal and checking our Christianity at the door. Uh, it's a real challenge. Uh, and how have you found that? How, have you grown in that? Yeah. The, the spirit of God has helped you in in moments? Yeah, I've learned um, through some mistakes and, and also some successes that if you help people confront the truth by making it safe for them to confront the truth, they will often make their own decisions as to what should happen. So an example, you know, someone that was working for me, it clearly wasn't working out, highly stressed individual, was causing issues across the organisation. We dealt with the stress Mm. and created the space for the stress to be processed. I, I created that space. Then the person had time to reflect and come back and say, actually, I think it's time I, I moved on. Yeah. Um, you're quite right. I think the challenge in Christian organisations is we're relational people yeah. and we, we want to effectively meet in church and be relational but I actually think, and I'm totally with Brene Brown, that's not kind. Yeah. If something needs to be said, it's about um, how we create the environment for people to still retain dignity yeah. and hear that information or that feedback or that accountability and calling people to account. Um, you know, I, I think Jesus was very clear on accountability. Yeah. And I think it's a part of um, sometimes a part of the way we build organisations. We 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 kind of well, we don't like doing that. It, and it is hard. I totally accept that it's hard, but the rewards are profound when you do it with it from a place where people have dignity, because everyone respects that that that's been they can see that from the outside. Mm across the organisation, but they can also see that you're dealing with the accountability issue because if you don't deal with the accountability issue, everyone goes, oh, well, this organisation, they don't have integrity, they're not dealing with issue X. But if you don't, if you deal with it too brutally, as you describe, then it's like, oh, goodness, I don't want the knife to fall on me or the axe to fall on me in that way. That's awful. But but the respect for every person being created under God says, yeah. how can I do this with dignity? Yeah. How can we get to this place with dignity for both parties? Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's what God calls us to do. Amen. Yeah, amen. That's good. I, I put a note down as I was chatting earlier about the the uh, challenge of knowing knowing yourself well, knowing others well, knowing that work well, and I think what you're hinting at here is that it's it's also about letting yourself be known by God, and having that degree of, of uh, primacy, that uh, because you are known and loved and want to live faithfully in a Christ-like way, that's what you carry: genuine love, not just niceness genuine purpose not just business the humanity that that god always brings 
when he's at work. Yeah, Brandon, there's one other thing in here too. I think organisations, uh, perhaps less Christian organisations, but certainly in the commercial world, they like to focus on what you don't do well. Mm and spend time, you know, and I've had plenty of uh, bits of feedback and, you know, I talked about feedback before. Um, I have a, a litmus test on feedback is does this person have my best interests at heart mm-hmm. in giving me that feedback? And if it's a safe place for me to explore that feedback because of their intent, then I listen to it a lot. You will still get as a leader, you know, and and, and as the CEO, everybody's looking at you. <laughs> You know, to see how Claire going to behave in this context, what she what she doing, what she's saying, all of that stuff. You 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 get watched far more as the CEO than in any other role, and you don't always get it right too. That's the other other part of it. What I've found is that organisations spend a lot of time working on your weaknesses. Yes, I'd much rather work on someone's strengths yes. and help them understand their weaknesses so they can draw on other people. Yes. to bring that because I think our strengths, you know, are what help and fuel our career. Yes. And so, you know, and, and an example I I have, um, I had at World Vision, I had a couple of people, one who carried the responsibility of the external reputation of the organisation and one who carried the responsibility of the internal reputation of the organization and I had them with me on a fortnightly basis Mm. to explore what was going on and what did we need to say Mm. into those contexts to um, help the organization thrive and do its job really well and so you know bringing that their technical strengths sometimes it's also leadership strengths that others have you know I had I have someone who can tell me because I'm really good at focusing on where the organisation needs to go. I sometimes don't notice, this won't surprise you, I sometimes don't notice how people are feeling about life and maybe there's other stuff going on in their world. And so I I always have someone in my team who's really good at spotting that and they'll come up to me and I'll go, oh, you know what, Claire, I know it's all all good but so-and-so is having trouble at home with one of their kids and, and that's why they're distracted, you know. And so I always have someone who's giving me that rather than me trying to be the person that will spot that because that that will, you know, then I'm not bringing my strength, if that makes sense. So it's, it's like the the living out of the body of Christ, right? You know. You, exactly. You see different things, bring gifts and and uh, contribute to the, the shared leadership. I want to really thank you. I thank you for sharing your insights. And it's it's a great thing as we started off our conversation, noting, talking with people who have been able to sort things out with God's help and have uh, traveled the journey that others can learn from and, and learn, learn with. So thank you for sharing your story and the part that God has played in that. Anything finally that you might want to just leave with our listeners? Well, I just love to honor that question you asked me about. Is it, do I look for something I love? Do I look for something I'm good at? Or do I look for something I really want to change? I think was the third one. At different times, you will uh, be on a journey where either one of those might come to the fore, but just be listening for where God is looking for you to go and be open to what God puts in front of you. And, and I think the other thing I'd say is, and be courageous. Yes, good. Because, 
you know, we this world needs courageous leaders now more than ever yeah, good. to tackle some of the biggest challenges that we're facing. And I'm really excited about the next generation of leaders as they're coming through. I think you've got an opportunity. You've got some big challenges that will be here and cheering for you on, but you've got some big opportunities to make a huge difference in the world. And so have courage and confidence.